When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columns with the Lake Centennial Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. On today's podcast, we're going to preview Saturday's Kentucky-Missouri football game. It's a noon start on the SEC's network out there in Columbia. And help me to preview the game. I talk with Matt Stahl of the Columbia Daily Tribune about the Tigers, who are 4-4 four and four overall, 2-3 and three in the SEC. And for Kentucky... You're going to hear from offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello and defensive coordinator Brad White. Their interviews this week coming off that 44-6 loss to Tennessee heading into the Missouri game on Saturday. A couple quick reminders. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Thanks to everybody who supports the podcast. Thanks to everybody who supports our work at the Arrow Leader, at the Lexington Arrow Leader, and Kentucky.com. Go to the Kentucky.com site, hit on the subscription tab, check out all the offers for subscriptions, a digital subscription to Kentucky.com, or a print subscription to the Lexington Herald Leader. Okay, let's get to it. First, with my interview with Matt Stahl, who covers Missouri for the Columbia Daily Tribune. And then you'll hear from Rich Gangarello, UK's offensive coordinator, and Brad White, UK's defensive coordinator. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Matt Stahl of the Columbia Daily Tribune. Matt is a former Herald Leader intern, uh, Western Kentucky grad, so uh, he has deep Kentucky roots. Uh, he's been at uh, Col- uh, for the Columbia Daily Tribune back back in the spring. Started back in the spring. How's it going, Matt? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, what about Kentucky and Missouri on Saturday, a noon game, SEC Network there in Columbia? What about this Missouri team? It looks like they're starting to play some pretty good football. What, what, how do the Tigers come into this game? Man, the defense is looking awesome, and it has all season, which is really just an absolute turnaround from last season when they couldn't stop a nosebleed defensively. Uh, <laughs> Got new defensive coordinator in there this year, uh, Blake Baker. Uh, I think what he's really done the best, uh, I mean, you know, they brought some talent into the transfer portal and all of that. But to me, it seems like he's really simplified things, especially for the linebackers. They have more just license, just, you know, run to the ball and make a tackle. Whereas it seemed like last season, if you watch a lot of film, maybe they were having to make too many choices. And uh, yeah, that's that's their big thing. Uh, offensively, uh, their big key just stop. Don't make fatal mistakes. They didn't last week against South Carolina. They really didn't against Vanderbilt. Uh, they have at various times this season. They've really, really struggled. So 
you know, to to me, Mizzou would just hoping for a low scoring game that they could maybe win by one touchdown or even a field goal. <laughs> well, okay, let's start. Let's start with the offense, and we'll get to the defense and the defensive improvement. Uh, Brady Cook, the quarterback, how's he played this year? Not particularly well, though. My thing on him, you know with every quarterback if they're struggling sometimes you'll get the emails like ah why don't they go to the backup and all that everybody loves the backup quarterback till they actually get in the game right the thing about brady cook is when he's able to fully stand up for the entire game he's been all right you know he doesn't he doesn't make terrible decisions he's got some athleticism so he can extend some plays find some they've got some good receivers that he can find downfield but I think last week against South Carolina was the first time you really got to see him where he could step up in the pocket a little bit, go make a throw, not have to worry about running for his life every single play because that offensive line has really been an issue. What about the, who, who are some of the weapons that he has around him? Who, who are some guys on the Missouri offense that Kentucky fans need to watch out for? Uh, the big breakout wide receiver this season has been Dominic Lovett. Uh, I know for a few weeks there, he was leading the SEC and receiving yards. I'm not sure if he is anymore, but he's absolutely an enormous big play threat. He'll run right by you. He'll make a difficult catch. You know, he'll juke you out of your shoes if you're not looking for him. Uh, the other one, he's been more hit or miss this season, but they brought in their first five star since Doriel Green Beckham this past season from East St. Louis, uh, Luther Burden the third. And he's been very, very good at times. You know, when they can get the ball in his hands, he's absolutely dangerous. He ran a punt back earlier this season. Uh, he's a deep threat. They'll run him on jet sweeps. They'll run him on some screen passes. They've even run him on Wildcat a few times just to get the ball in his hands because he really can't do something with it. Uh, he's he's had a few, you know, just, I guess, just freshman moments. He's a true freshman, still 18 years old, I think where it's just, you know, he'll drop a pass here, make an ill-advised cut here, you know, maybe let a punt bounce when he shouldn't. But, yeah, he's he's also very much a threat. What, what Don't they have a, uh, a running back who is a D2 running back who's played pretty well? I'm watching the, the uh, South Carolina game. Look like he ran the ball pretty effectively. Yes, uh, Cody Schrader. Yeah, he's a, he's quite a story. Last season, he was at uh, Truman State down the road in uh, Kirksville, Missouri. Uh, actually led Division Two in rushing, uh, was really awesome there. Then, you know, had an extra. He has an extra year of COVID eligibility, so he'll be around next year. Right. But he transferred in this season as a walk on. Uh, told me before the season he was just hoping to get some time on special teams. Then, you know, they had some injuries through fall camp, and he got some opportunities back at running back and just was really, really consistent and, you know, shows up, does the whole cliche, you know, shows up, works hard, knows the game, the whole deal, and got opportunities throughout the season. Uh, He's really effective inside the – you know, inside like the seven yard line, he can go find the end zone. But last week, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach, said, you know, when we're making him the feature back, essentially. He'd been splitting time with a lot of guys, uh, particularly Nate Pete, who also transferred in from Stanford this season. And 
Pete is more of a home run threat uh, than Cody Schrader, I think. But he has a tendency to fumble in the red zone. You saw it against Auburn, uh, that just absolutely bananas football game where he's reaching for the end zone to win the game in overtime and the ball just falls out of his hands and Auburn recovers it to win the game. Uh, You saw it against Vanderbilt. He fumbled in the red zone again. He also, you know, if there's three yards there, he doesn't necessarily go get three yards. He might lose three yards. Now he might go gain you 25 the next play. Right. But Mizzou's had a real trouble this season on with some of these negative plays on first and second down. So they go to Schrader, who kind of drew rave reviews. You know, if there's three yards there, he can get you three yards. He might get you five yards. He's probably not going to run 85 yards for a touchdown, but. You know, they just needed that consistency, especially with the offensive line being what it was. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Missouri defense. As you mentioned earlier, quite a turnaround for uh, Missouri uh, on defense. I think they're top 20 uh, in total defense nationally. Uh, you mentioned Blake uh, Baker as the defensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, what? And you mentioned the way he has simplified the defense. Who, who are some guys on the defensive side that Kentucky fans need to look for? Well, they brought in Tyron Hopper this season, and he transferred there from Florida, where he actually had a huge game against Mizzou in 2021 at Furrow Field here. But uh, he's just a really exceptional linebacker who kind of does everything. You know, he can really get after a quarterback. He'll go make a tackle in space with nobody around. He can even drop back into coverage and be very effective. He's really fast, knows what he's doing, actually was a He's a cornerback and safety at various times in high school. So yeah, he, he's scary if you're an offense. Uh, you know, off, defensive line has been very, very good in recent weeks. Uh, Isaiah McGuire, defensive end, he, uh, he got named SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week last week, played really, really well against South Carolina, got a couple of sacks. Uh in the secondary, uh, you got Chris Abrams Drain, who's starting to draw some NFL draft hype here. Uh, to sometimes you won't necessarily see him a whole lot during the game, just because they won't throw to his side of the field. That's how good he is. Reminds me, if you remember um, the Revis Island days when he was oh, with yeah. the Jets, where he'd have like one interception all season. It was just because they wouldn't throw the ball at him. That's kind of right. Chris Abrams Drain right now. And then. Uh, one of the things Blake Baker did this season was uh, switch out a nickel corner in the scheme and put in what he calls a star safety, which is just kind of do anything, you know, can line up in the box, can get out in the coverage, just a lot of freedom. And uh, Marquez Manuel's done really well in that role this year. Yeah. <laughs> what about the – what about Missouri's kicking game with Harrison Mevis? I know he seems like a guy who, you know, he can, I think it was preseason all SEC, if I remember correctly, and, uh, you know, can make the long kicks, but I know he's had some trouble or been inconsistent on some shorter kicks. What about him this year? Yeah, it's been a wild season for him. You know, he's kind of a folk hero here just because, I mean, he's built like a tight end to be yeah. called the thicker <laughs> kicker. I think he trademarked that yesterday, actually. Which, really? You know, go NIL, he could go make a little money selling T-shirts. Yeah, good for him. But, yeah, he, uh, yeah I mean, it, it got weird for him against Abilene Christian. He missed a couple of kicks. Then he missed a 26-yarder that would have won the game against Auburn. 
But then he comes out the next week when they nearly beat Georgia, and it's just lights out. I think he hit a 55-yarder. And then last week, you know, you watch, he missed a 21-yard absolute chip shot. And then comes back out from 50-plus and just nails it. So <laughs> I, I, I wonder if he's just kind of got the yips, you know, from really short range. I don't know if I if, if I'm him. Maybe I just start, you know, false starting every play until it Check, gets back. back be- him up. <laughs> yeah, it gets back beyond fifty. He's like, all right, we're in range now. Yeah, right. <laughs> let it let it go that way. But yeah, he definitely. I mean, he's been the primary source of scoring in some games this season for Mizzou when they haven't been able to get to the end zone. <laughs> so yeah, they they rely on him, and you know. <laughs> Of all the kickers in the SEC, truly, I'd probably trust him more than just about anybody with the game on the line. From from the distance, that's for sure. Okay, okay, Matt. So, what uh, Saturday? Uh, Kentucky's not played particularly well the last couple times they went uh, been to Missouri, but then they did win at Missouri in a game. I think Missouri uh, fans and players still remember because they think they got jobbed at the end of the game, the pass interference call. Uh, what are the keys for Missouri on Saturday to to uh, knock off Kentucky for the second straight time there at Mizzou. Well, you want, you need your defensive line. I believe Kentucky's had some offensive line issues a lot of times this season. Because he can really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Same at Missouri, but yeah. if you're the defense uh, for Mizzou, I think you want to really exploit that. Uh, get Isaiah McGuire, get Trajan Jeffcoat, some of those guys after Will Levis. See if you can stop the run and maybe just turn this into a rock fight. Uh, offensively, just don't make the fatal mistake. Don't have a red zone fumble. Uh, don't throw an interception on a screen pass. You know, any of that. Just play the game, get the ball up the field, score a couple touchdowns, and, you know, sort of let the chips fall where they will. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting matchup. I think it's a pretty even matchup. We'll see how it turns out. Matt, tell the listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and how they can follow you online uh, leading up to, during, and after the game. Yeah, it's Matt Stahl 97 on Twitter, uh, tweeting all about Missouri sports, uh, occasional horse racing. I'm sure I'll be looking pretty closely at the Breeders' Cup this weekend. And then uh, ColumbiaTribune.com is where you can find my work over in, yeah, in Columbia. So how are you liking Columbia so far? It's good. Yeah, good little town. You know, I moved here from Louisville and lived in Kentucky for a long time. So right. it's an uh, adjustment. I'm worried winter here is going to kill me. But, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Good, good little town. Got some good food. You don't get to cover SEC football, which is kind of what I've always wanted to do. And basketball's starting up. What's what's uh, Missouri basketball looking like uh, with a, with a new coach? Yeah, new head coach Dennis Gates replacing Conzo uh, Martin. Uh, I I mean, it can't be worse than last season, right? <laughs> right. <That's>, uh, <laughs> no place to go and, but up. Yeah, you know, he brought in a lot of transfers. The team seems like it's really gelling together. Uh, the thing I'm intrigued to see there is, you know, he, he comes from the Leonard Hamilton Florida State School of we'll play 11 guys a night. Right. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. If, I don't know if uh, at any point there'll be a really consistent lineup. He, he brought in some uh, really good players. Uh, I expect Isaiah Mosley transferred in from Missouri State actually went to Rockbridge High School here in Columbia. He's a he's a scorer. I expect him to make an impact. And you know, see if the see if the fans come back. You know, on TV last season, those some of those games looked empty. Right. 
Right. I think Kentucky goes to uh, place Missouri in the first SEC game uh, right after Christmas. So uh, I think the, that'll get the SEC season started for both I'm those sure teams. it'll be free T-shirt day, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But we got the football game first on Saturday. Like I said, it's a noon start there at Columbia, uh, and it's on the SEC Network. And be sure and check out all of Matt's work on on Twitter and online. And thanks, Matt, so much for being on the podcast. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Always fun. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that go into something that happened the way it went down. And, uh, you know, bottom line is they got after us. And our, our guys played hard. Um, I, I was proud of their effort. They were prepared in their minds. We walked off that bus. I felt like we were all in it together, and they felt like we were going to play great. And for a quarter, it felt that way. And, um and then things kind of can get away from you. And when you're uh, fighting your way out of that stuff and uh, it feels like everything's on top of you, um, it's hard to fight your way out of that. And sometimes uh, you press or you, you let it get to you and uh, you don't play your best. And I, I think that those are things we can all learn from. But, um, yeah, it was a difficult situation. And uh, But watching the film, I was proud of the way, how hard they play and the way they strained right up to the last play. When it feels like there's a lot to do on the to-do list, where, where, where do you start yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's it's tricky because if you go go back a week before, you, you just said, oh, well, the run game's coming along and we're getting healthy and we're going to be better in pass protection. Um, you know, something you can't knee jerk, but you got to self evaluate constantly, and you have to make the you got to make adjustments, and um, it's based on the health and who you're playing and where we're at, and um, yeah, so it's uh, there are a number of things that need to be tightened up, but. You know, it's amazing how if one one or two plays goes different early and the energy feels different, you don't, I'm not saying you're going to go out and win the game, but you feel a whole lot different when you walk off the field. And uh, right now it's about being confident, playing fearless, and attacking every day and getting out there and just being tighter in everything we do. Richard, whenever, whenever, someone, whenever a coach brings an NFL offense to college, people wonder, is it going to be too complicated for college athletes to understand and run? Do you feel mm-hmm. like that's been a problem at all this year? Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of young players, and, and so at times, yeah, I mean, uh, when you got guys injured and different things coming out, um, it can affect continuity, but that's not an excuse. I mean, uh, we had three great days of practice leading up to that. Our walkthrough on Thursday, our practice, I mean, we I would bet if you ask the coaches and the players, they felt like it was as sharp as it had been. Um, the ball wasn't hitting the ground. We looked tight. We were on our assignments. We broke the huddle. We were confident. Um, we were fresh, you know, and I think that uh, we got into a, a fist fight in a hostile environment, a lot going on, and um, at, at a point it got to us. And uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, it got away from us, and uh, we got to learn from it and get better. But um, in the end, I feel like uh, we got the makeup and the players and, and the integrity to run the offense, and um, I've seen seen it be sharp. I've seen, you know, the same plays were – Running and throwing for 350 early in the game in, in the year, the same plays that you know that were successful against Florida are the same types of plays. It's it's just about you know execution, and it happened. The start of the game with the three and out. There hadn't been a lot of opening kind of script scoring drops. Yeah. Is there a consistent theme to that? No, it is something that. Uh, yeah, definitely something that has been evaluated needs to needs to change. But um, it was it was. Um, I mean, in full disclosure, he knew they would be geeked up, knew that they would be out to attack the run, 
Um, we were going in with the mindset that we were going to run the ball and have some physicality in this game. We, we knew kind of what that first play might look like, um, be it, you know, be some collisions in there and be a violent play. Um, you know, and, and, you know, are you going to just drop back and play pass or do a, do something, you know, like there's a fine line. And in that type of game, I chose to be, that's my decision, to be conservative initially to run the ball the first two plays to get a bunch of young guys in that environment, the butterflies out, quite honestly. What sucks when that happens is we had a few really good plan, we felt like, in third medium. We end up in third and nine. It's a tough play, We're, you know, and we end up in a situation where Will's first throw of the game is not the one you want to start with to get a guy in the flow. Um, but I will say this, like, we came off the sidelines. We knew what happened. We, They brought it. We realized where they were at, where we were at, and we came out in the second drive, and we play action, and we took advantage of it, and we had a really good balanced drive. So it's in us, um, but that's a really good football team. And in that environment, the way they are and the way they're built, you got to be at your best, and there can, there's no margin for error sometimes, and uh, there was much, much too much of that on Saturday. They're good. I mean, it's no, it, it doesn't get any easier. I mean, this is the SEC. They got pass rushers. They got cover guys. I mean, Georgia went three quarters without a touchdown. You know, so they got the best players in the country out there. You know, so um, you know, it's. Uh, I watched uh, South Carolina get overwhelmed and get basically shut out for uh, you know a half, and then you know get a scrappy touchdown, but. They didn't do anything on offense. And so this defense will get to you if you let them. Bandy, I mean, they, they're playing some really good, confident football, and um, they're up for the challenge, and we're going to be up for the challenge too. But it will be a dogfight, and we have to be at our best and um, take care of the football, and we're going to have to win some one-on-ones because they play a lot of man coverage, and they're really good at it. How do you get it to consistently from going from Mississippi State to, to Tennessee game? A lot of variables in those two how do you get it to be consistently uh, executed for you, for you guys on that side of the world? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a great question. And, again, I, I don't know if it's sometimes it's a little of everything. It's a little of the environment and being on the road and what that brought to the table. And so you have to change how you play. Um, part of it was the stage. Part of it was they're a good football team that puts a lot of pressure on you, and you got to answer them, and that you feel that. And young players sometimes that anxiety can can mount up, um, and so you have to just kind of stay the course and be fearless and not flinch. And um, we have to learn from that, and we will learn from that. I think we got the kind of guys that that will grow from it, um, and that'll you know when you're just more comfortable, you're going to be flowing and execute, and it's going to come. And um, and so when it doesn't go easy early, sometimes you got to fight through it. And uh, but some of that is, uh, you know, part of that is we have to just come out and uh, trust each other and go out there and battle our ass off again. But we got to more importantly take care of the ball. I mean, we, we should have had three scoring drives in the first half. I mean, and that's the reality of it. And um, that doesn't excuse it. It is what it is. But, um, you know, against that football team, you're going to have to make every one of those drives turn into a touchdown if you're going to play the kind of game you want to play and win win in that environment and hold on and beat them in a one-score game. Coach, the second drive that you referenced probably couldn't have gone any better, but it looked like you were passing to set up the, the run on that. I was, yeah. Didn't it's you true. see that though, moving forward so much? Was there a reason did they adjust to what you did there? I, I think the second drive, we kind of were still on script, and part of it is like um, you want to be balanced. I mean, I... I you know, you want to control the, the pace of the game. You want to, you know, want to 
take it off the burden off the defense. You you want to earn first downs on third down and not be in third and long. Um, but I thought the second drive, you know, we 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 were we had a rhythm and we got to a point and it was you know a third down call and and we had it scripted where we thought those some of those plays came up on the next drive that we ended up moving all the way back down into the red zone. So. Um, you know, sometimes it's the flow of the game, but I felt like the second drive, you know, or the third drive, we had a, you know, we had a swing screen that we had planned that we executed perfectly to Jaton for about 15, 15 yards. We were on that same plan this second half, exact same look, and we missed a block, and it was minus two. Like, it's football, and uh, we got to learn from it. We can't make those kind of errors, and we'll, we'll learn from that stuff. And um, but yeah, yeah, I can do a better job of keeping them off balance, but. Um, it's a fine line in that building, too, of just not, you know, it was a tough, let me just say this, trying to be perfect is probably not the best way to approach it all the time, but in those kinds of uh, games, you feel like you need to be that kind of guy, you know, that kind of play calling and that kind of offense, so, and we weren't, we were far from it. Obviously, Will probably forced some things late with the score where it was, but how did you think he performed when you got to watch the tape? Um, you know, you, you He'll be I, one thing I love about Will is he's very uh, critical of himself and he's very honest. He won't sugarcoat it. He knows the good and the bad. He'll tell you the truth. Um, it's one of his great qualities, and uh, not a lot of guys have the moxie to do that. Um, and yeah, I mean, he will learn probably more from that game than any game to this point in his career, and it will help him tremendously in the future. Um, you know, it's you get in those games, and what happens is you you're playing okay, you're a little banged up. Um, it's tough, and then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, no, i got to win the game in one play, and you're down by two or three scores, and that's not how it goes. And you have to play within your offense or whatever you're asked to do. And I think that that happens to guys at times. A lot of great ones go through this. I mean, I'm watching Brady and Rodgers and some great quarterbacks can't get points on the board either. It just happens. And uh, I think that he felt like he had to carry us there at the end, and in the second half, and that's probably the opposite way you want to approach it. And I think that he'll learn from that. But um, he's tough, man, and he stood in there, and um, you know it's a tough environment. But he's got thick skin. He's going to need it in this future, and he's got it. And um, he's got grit, and I, I know he'll bounce back and play great this week. Which one? You, if you're in this long enough as a coordinator, you're going to go through tough times where things don't click the way you want it to. Yeah. How do you approach it? Do you? Lying in bed awake at night thinking about what went wrong, or are you grinding more in the office, or do you just keep 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 paddling and keep the course? It's a great question. Um, all the above. <laughs> um, I would tell you this: like uh, from the time that that game was over to the time I got home and that bus ride home, you go through everything. You watch every snap a couple of times on the bus, and you know I, I thought long and hard about the first half, what could be different, what we could have done different. How how do you find a formula to win a game? Uh, against that team and um, you do a lot of self-reflection and I think the players do too you ask them to and they have to and you got to grow from it I got to learn from it I'm learning this conference and every week there's a new pass rusher to face you know and every team's got one or two Uh, D-line was a lot better than I anticipated quite honestly they're really good and um, I knew they were good but I didn't I couldn't feel it until we were crowd noise and all that I was like whoa you know, so you got to you got to respect those things, and I and you, you you grow from it, you learn from it. I do, we all do, um, and yeah, we got to tighten it up. But um, yeah, I've done a lot of that stuff, and uh, you adjust and adapt, and you do what your players can do best, and you give them the best chance to win. That's all you can do. Rich, when you are coming off a loss like that, is it 
when you're talking about self-reflection, is it sometimes hard not reflect on what just happened as much when you have a new opponent to prepare for? Is it hard to find that balance as a coach, a player? you speak on that? Yeah, no, that's another good question. You, you, look, you never can overreact to these situations. I think we had very high expectations this year for our team. You know, and so you go into a game like that and you build it up. And then it goes completely the way you don't want it. You play, you put your worst out there, not your best. Um, and when that happens, you, you feel like the world's falling in sometimes. But it is. It's one game. And um, you have to always keep that in perspective. And uh, Coach had a great message to the team. I couldn't have been better. He put, those, he put everyone's record on the board. And you look at where you're at and you think about it. Hey, we're still in the upper echelon. And we've given a game away, and we can be better, and, and we have to be tighter. But it's how you finish, and it's what you are at the end, not now. And we have to continue to grow and get better. And I think we will. We have the right people in that room, and I think we have uh, all the right makeup in this building to get that done, no problem. All right, folks, thank you very much. Brad, all right, question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Brad, what's, what's been your emphasis this week? I just get back to work. I mean, that's, that's all you can do right now is put your head down, get back to work next game. Uh, and, and that's always the emphasis point. Win or lose, uh, that last game is behind you. Uh, you know, we've got a really you know, good opponent uh, that we've got to play this week, uh, a team that, you know, has, they've had a couple of tough ones and could be sitting uh, in a really good position. So we know the battle of, uh, that we've got. And so that's where the, the whole focus has been. Mark talked a lot this last week about not making one loss turn into two losses. Have you felt that urgency from the players at all this week that they're kind of locked in more because of that? Yeah, I, th I, I think they, you know, because we've had that happen once this year, and and I think they understand that, that you can't let that trickle effect happen. Uh, you know, guys in the past, they've been around, they understand. Uh, the new guys, that was their first go-round at it, and so there's no... You know, at this point in the season, there is no more freshmen. You've played enough. You've been around enough. Uh, you've experienced, you know, win streaks, losing streaks, all that. So uh, the focus has got to be on just executing your play, your assignment uh, for 60 minutes. And that's that's been the focus this week. Um, and that's the way we're progressing. We're looking at Missouri's offense. Is there anything in particular that jumps out to you? No, I, I think what they do is, you know, what Coach Drinkwitz has done uh, for the last couple of years. You know, scheme-wise, it's really uh, challenging in the fact that they, they can uh, they can really run the ball. Their outside zone scheme's efficient. Their line does a really nice job. Their backs get downhill. Uh, and then you marry in uh, some of their gap scheme uh, run game. And uh, over the last couple of games, you've seen sort of the progression of a QB run game as well. So. Uh, you know, it starts there. It always that offense always starts. You know, with a strong run game, uh, and they build from that. I think uh, Cook's really been gaining confidence again over these last couple games as well. Uh, you know, Lovett's a, a dynamic receiver along with Burden, and uh, you know, and you throw Cooper in there as well. And you know, Levin's played a lot of games and made a lot of big catches. You know, and there's uh, a lot of confidence in him. You know, in some of those intermediate routes, and so. Uh, no, it's a really s solid, sort of balanced, well-rounded offense uh, that you can't just sort of key on one area. Um, and then you add in the, the motions and the shifts and, um, you know, some of the uh, more exotic 
uh, style plays to, to create, you know, explosives. And uh, you got to do a good job with your eye discipline. What about with uh, DeAndre out? How's Trevin played to this point? Uh, Trevin, when he's been in the game, has played solid. You know, there's some things that we, we continue to, to clean up, just like every one of our guys. Um, but his his energy, uh, you know, his understanding uh, it has been good. Um, and you know, when the ball's in the in the open field, I mean, obviously that his athleticism shows. Uh, still working on, you know, at times just pulling the pin. I think that's that's a rep and a confidence thing for him that. Uh, it's kind of like a quarterback where the more comfortable you, it doesn't have to be a super clean picture to throw the ball. You know, it's the same thing with an inside backer. Like it doesn't have to be a fully clean picture and the ball carrier has to have the ball in the hole. Now I can go there. There's an anticipation piece that I can pull the pin knowing that he is going to show up there. Right. And uh, he's with every rep that he takes, you know, you can see the, the confidence and the comfort building. Uh, I thought he's had a really good week of practice. Uh, him and uh, him and De'Eric, they have a really good uh, sort of rapport with each other uh, out there, and, and they're really good friends, you know, off the field. And so I think it, you can sort of see that on the field. Going off that, obviously, no one injured to happen. Are you excited to see those two play together, uh, given their kind of the future of those positions? Yeah, obviously there's there's always uh, an excitement when, when somebody's able to play and, and see, okay, what is the next guy up? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you, you go through the season and you're heartbroken for a guy like Jalen Guy, right? And then you see the elevation of Jordan Lovett. You know, you're heartbroken for, uh, you know, Jaquez and watching, you know, him have to, to miss games. And then the elevation of De'Aaron Jackson, you know, the, the same thing. So. Uh, it doesn't matter what position. You're always interested to see, you know, that next person. And um, obviously, you know, what you sort of lose in experience, you gain in sort of youthful exuberance. And so, but you also, you know, have to understand there's going to be mistakes. And some other guys are going to have to, to fix those mistakes that they make. Um, you know, and, but we've got to try to play as clean a game as possible. Yes, speaking of that, I mean, as you mentioned, Missouri throws a lot of stuff at you with motions and shifts and so forth, and you're missing your two most experienced linebackers. Who, who do you have to depend on to make sure that guys are in the right place and, as you mentioned, fixing things that they're doing wrong on the field before they get over to you? Yeah, you know, so obviously um, everybody needs to handle their own business, uh, but, you know, it, it helps to have, uh, you know, a guy like Ty Asian behind that's seen a lot and, and played a lot and, um, you know, can talk and communicate and get those things, uh, you know, the, you know, the back end coverage is sort of communicated, reiterated. Uh, but again, I've been, uh, I've been proud of those two, you know, in practice this week in terms of their communication and understanding. Uh, and, you know, obviously Derek's played a lot of snaps, you know, and so, uh, he's going to be able to to help sort of be a calming force in there. But again, I think they they're a good pairing because they keep each other up, you know. And uh, Trevin's got uh, sort of a jovial personality, and um, it keeps Derek loose. And Derek plays his best when he's loose. When he starts to get tight, 
you know, we're concerned uh, about a maybe a misfit or a misplay or a mistackle. Um, and so I think they can, you know, bring the best out of each other. Mark, you're talking about the possibility of uh, needing Oxidan. Uh, I'm sorry? Oxidan, his side, I mean, his uh, way back up in the arm. Mark seems to think that he's, he's, he plays better behavior than me is now. Yeah, I, I think, especially down there in the, in the SEC in the <coughs> trenches, uh, girth is important. And, and you've seen uh, sort of how well Dion has played this year. And it's obviously there's there's a lot of factors that, that play into that. But girth is one of them and one of the reasons that he's been able to, to be successful. And so, uh, yeah, we would like to, to get that up a little bit. And, and, and he's, he knows and he's aware. Um, but he's playing with you know, a high effort level right now and uh, you know, trying to sort of say compensate for that just with, with energy and, and, and some twitch. But um, yeah, as we go forward, we'd like to, to push that number a little bit. Brad, you talked about communication a minute ago and you've talked about it really all year. You had some breakdowns it looked like on Saturday. Has that been an, an additional point of emphasis this week? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily an additional point of emphasis. We knew going in, and uh, it's one of the things that, that makes that offense difficult. It's not – I think a lot of people think about the tempo and the pressure that it applies from a physical standpoint. There's a mental pressure that's sort of on you consistently. Like, you don't get a break to mentally decompress from maybe a previous play or from, and and so it's, it, it's sort of a heightened awareness and you don't, you can't replicate that at practice. It's, it's that just that constant physical and mental focus required throughout an entire series. And all it takes is one little lapse um, and, you know, it, it can lead to explosive plays that, that we can't have. So, um, Again, not necessarily more vital than any other week. Every every week's important with communication. I think that's where some of those stemmed last week. Mizzou use any tempo in this, or is it? They do. They can. They can, and they can go varied. That's you know, and sometimes that's even more difficult because at times when you're not expecting them, they can they can spring and they can go tempo anytime they want to. So, um, no, you always have to be ready for it. And, and so we'll see how that goes. Everybody good? Thank you, Brad. All right, thanks, All right thank you. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Matt Stahl of the Columbia Daily Tribune. Be sure and check out all of his work online. Be sure and check out all of our work at Kentucky.com. We have plenty of coverage leading up to the game on Saturday. Again, it's a noon start on the SEC Network at Columbia, Missouri. Uh, look for my uh, live updates on my sidelines blog during the game and look for my three takeaways after the game as well. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.